Well, this week is a big week for, um, for our family, for birthdays and anniversaries. On Saturday, coming, this coming Saturday, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Adelaide, and I, we both have the same birthday, so we will be having our birthdays on Saturday when we're at camp. And uh, Dallas and I, we have our 15th anniversary on Wednesday, uh, so that's exciting. And today is the, today, August 4th, is the ninth anniversary of the first time that the town church gathered together. Uh, and so today is our anniversary as a, as a church family. And I always get a little, actually a lot nostalgic around this time of year, just thinking back on, on these milestones and these markers, these things to be, to be thankful for. And, and this week I've done a lot of reflection on the early days of our church and, and how God brought us together and what he did in order to, to plant the town church and, and just the, you know, what was it like when we first started, how different it was and the timeline, you know, which are the different spaces that we've gathered together in as a church and the different memories that I have of, of where we've been and the different people, just so many different people that come in and out of our community for different reasons. And, and I watched that video earlier this week of uh, what if becoming what is and, and, and reading about our, the Acts 29 global gathering. And, and it just, it really got me thinking about that phrase that is the theme of that, um, of that video, that what if becoming what is. And, and when, you, when you plant church, when you make plans, when you pray, um, when, when you gather people together, in some way to follow Jesus like we did for the first time nine years ago. Everything that you do in that moment is a what if. <laughs> it's, it's, you're just really asking that question. What if we did this? What would happen if we, if we started this? What would it be like if we, if we sought the Lord and he led us in this direction? And it was, it was really exciting and, and when, you, when you ask a what-if question, you assume there's some kind of risk of failure, that there's a little bit of, oh, man, this could just totally bomb. Uh, it, it, could, it could just, it's, it's a little bit scary to, to ask that what-if question, right? Maybe you've ever, you've done this with your job. What if I didn't work here anymore, <laughs> right? What if I tried to do something different? You know, what if I... Uh, I was was reading last night, and uh, they were talking about a the the writer was talking about a job interview, and and the person who was being interviewed turned the the question around on the interviewer at the end of the interview and said, "What would you do if you didn't have anything to be afraid of?" I thought, "Wow, what a great that's a it's another one of those big questions. What would you do? What if you weren't afraid? And what kind of risks would you take?" When we planted our church nine years ago, we had no idea really what we were doing, uh, and it showed. <laughs> it was evident that we didn't really know what we were doing, but we were asking that question, what if? What if we did this? What would God do if we did this? And because, because Jesus is faithful, not because we were so smart, not because we had this great plan, not because we were so gifted or skilled or um, any of those things. Just because Jesus is faithful, our, 
our what-if questions has actually become something, uh, something to be really, really thankful for. And, and so today we're going to take a break from our series in the book of Acts, and I just want to celebrate together the what-if becoming what is, and to also ask us some more what-if questions. Because you really, when you follow Jesus, you never stop asking those questions. You know, in that video that we just watched, you know, Acts 29 has more churches than it's ever had, 800 churches, and it's grown really um, quite a bit in the last five years, significantly. It's more than doubled the amount of churches in Acts 29, churches that have been planted, leaders have been sent out. Um, but you get a sense uh, of, of there's a continuation of that question. It's not like, well, we've arrived now, and so now what do we do? It's just, well, what if we keep asking that question? What if we continue seeking the Lord? What if we continue taking risks? And so we're going to ask ourselves some more what-if questions today. And along the way, I'll tell some stories. So I'll be nostalgic. I'll probably cry a little bit today. Just going to give you a forewarning of that. Uh, and uh, just remembering together how good God has been to us. So um, to, to frame our time together, I want to just take a few minutes in this parable that Jesus tells in Mark chapter 4. So I'm going to read Mark 4, verses 30 through 32. It's on page 839. It'll be up on the screen, and this will kind of be our, our jumping off point and something we'll come back to a few times. So Mark chapter 4, beginning of verse 30. And Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is God's word. Let's pray once more. Father, we acknowledge you as the author of all things, the creator of all things. You, you are the one who has made everything out of nothing, and only you can do that. And yet you have invited us into, into your mission, into your creativity, so that we get to make things we get to start things. We get to dream about things. We get to, to ask you to do something with, with, <laughs> with our insignificant uh, ingredients of who we are and the skills that we have. And today, we are celebrating your great work in, in us as a church community and in us individually and in the, the many, many people who have belonged to the town church over the last nine years. Uh, and would you help us to continue to be a church that, that continues asking, what if we gave more of ourselves to Jesus? What would our lives look like? What would our community look like? What would, what would Eureka look like? What would the world look like? Help us to be courageous. Help us uh, to trust you more. As we, as we continue asking these questions. So give us a grateful heart, uh, content and glad in what you have done, and yet a restless heart in wanting to see what you could do if we continue to follow you faithfully. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, first, I just want to take a minute and look at this parable that Jesus told his disciples. And there's a lot of ways that we can describe Jesus' ministry in the world. We call it his earthly ministry. What did Jesus do in, in his, really, his, this three-year period of time? Um, and, and one of the ways that we can understand or get an idea. Why did Jesus come? What did he do when he was in the world? And and a really simple way to think about that is that Jesus came to show us what God is like. Uh, Jesus is, when he was in the world, he was God with us, Emmanuel. So God present among us, uh, in God in our midst. And, And in this little passage, this little parable that we're looking at, Jesus He's showing us what God is like and what life looks like, uh, what things look like in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is this phrase that Jesus uses all the time. Uh, sometimes it's translated the kingdom of heaven, really the, the same thing. And, and again, in a very simple way to define the kingdom of God, we can say that it is wherever God is ruling and reigning. Um, I haven't seen the, the remake, but in The Lion King, you know, when uh, Mufasa takes Simba and he says, wherever the light touches, that's, that's our kingdom, right? This is, this is what, what is under your, is going to be under your rule. And, and that's kind of a, okay, that's kind of a picture for us. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Everything uh, where, that is under Jesus' rule and reign is, is the kingdom of God, and, and Ultimately, in eternity, everything, Jesus is the king of everything, and, and everything will be subject to his rule and reign, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, right, that Jesus is the king. But we're, we're in, in sort of an in-between time right now until that comes, but, but the kingdom of God is present, and Jesus said that over and over again, and, and so this parable is to help us understand what does the kingdom of God look like? among us right now? What does it look like as we follow Jesus? And so when you and I, when we come to faith in Jesus, when we surrender our lives to him, we come into the kingdom of Jesus. We come into the light. And and when Jesus is our king, everything looks different. Our whole life is completely changed, completely transformed. We're given a new way of understanding everything. And so when Jesus was trying to help people see to give them an understanding. Here's what your life would look like if you followed me. Here's what your life would look like if you were in the kingdom of God. And, and to do this, Jesus would use parables. He would try to explain to people, here's what life would look like. And so a parable is simply a, it's a story or a a picture drawn from everyday life to illustrate a truth or to to communicate a truth. Usually, they're just meant to show one simple truth. And a lot of times, Jesus would tell three or four parables that are really saying the same thing, just giving us a little bit of a different picture. They usually just have one point. They're not very complicated. Sometimes people get really caught up in in a parable and trying to take every little piece and trying to make them very symbolic. And and Jesus usually was just saying, "Here's, here's a really simple thing that I'm trying to communicate to you, but because it's the kingdom of God, 
It's confusing. It's disorienting because, you know, sometimes we refer to Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, as an upside-down kingdom because the values and, and, and the way things are, are understood are very different from our default mode, the kingdom of, of the world. So uh, in all four Gospels, Jesus uses these parables to communicate the truths of, of what the kingdom of God looks like, and it's, it's a really common method that Jesus used. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. Here's a picture of that, and that's what he says here in chapter 4. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? How do we describe it? And, and what is it that Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom of God through this parable? And it's really simple. The kingdom of God, the way, the way uh, in the kingdom of God, the way that God starts something can often be usually unremarkable and, and unseen or even hidden. In the kingdom of God, the way that God starts something can often be unremarkable and unseen. And so... In, in the time of Jesus, in the time that he's telling this parable, the, the mustard seed, it was the smallest seed that was used in agriculture, and it was just nothing special, right? It was, it was known for, for its smallness, but, but Jesus says, what happens when you plant that tiny seed? It grows into, steadily into something much more than you would have expected when you held the seed in your hand because it was so small, it was so insignificant, growing into something that, that the birds can, can rest on. They can find a, a place of, uh, of refuge on the branches of, of the plant, the tree that grows from this tiny seed, a small beginning that leads to a big blessing. And when I look back on the life of our church and where we started and what things were like when we began, I can think of really no better picture than Jesus' parable here. I've gone back to this parable, this passage, so many times uh, to, to remind myself, this is, what, this is what God does in the beginning. This is actually what it looks like in the beginning. We had a very small, insignificant, unremarkable beginning. We we met on a Wednesday night because that was the only night we could use the building at this church on the south end of Eureka called Centerpoint Church. And it was just an unremarkable night uh, in, in so many ways that uh, we had a, a core group. That's what you're supposed to do when you plant a church. We had two families, my family and the Kennard family, and one single guy. And that was our core group. So uh, right away, the children outnumbered the adults, and that's sort of, I guess, continued uh, sometimes. And we had, we had zero dollars, big fat zero dollars. Um, we had no equipment. Everything we used was borrowed or just came from, from our house or whatever. I mean, we, we were pillaging thrift stores and garage sales and just whatever we could find, whatever we needed. Um, and that first night, we had about 25 people come, which sounds like a lot for the, like, wow, what a great start. But it was mostly, like, family and friends that were like, 
we're so excited for you. We just want to come root you on. It's like your parents coming to your baseball game or something when you're a kid. They're not really interested in like how you perform. They just want to support you. Uh, and so that was kind of like our, our first week. The second week was a little bit less. And, and after a couple of weeks, all those people were like, God bless. Yes, except for Matt Reed. Matt Reed stayed. Matt Reed is our, uh, <laughs> he's our veteran, a grizzly veteran. Um, our third week, even Matt, uh, no one actually showed up except for our family and the, the Kennard family. So we were like, wow, we made it three weeks and no one is here. <laughs> Incredible. We have succeeded in every way. And, and just those words are so true of a small, unremarkable, insignificant, undistinguished, unexceptionable, unexceptional. Those, those are words that really accurately describe the beginning of our, of our church. And so on its own, that sounds kind of sad. <laughs> oh, wow. They really tried hard and then nobody showed up. But, but Jesus is saying that's exactly what the kingdom of God is like. It's exactly what beginnings look like in the kingdom of Jesus. And, and so keeping that in mind, it changes the way that we think about our beginning, changes the way we think about, um, about the possibility of something and what it could become. And, and when, you, when you belong to Jesus, this is something you learn as you follow him, that, that you don't just focus on what exists in a particular moment, right? You don't just focus on the, your present state, because the more you think about where you're at, usually the more discouraged you become. <laughs> Like, man, like I've been following Jesus for this many years and like I still struggle with like the most basic stuff. Just I can't quit cussing when I get angry, you know, or like I'm selfish or just so many different things that, that we go, How, when is this going to stop? Like this is what is right now and it's really frustrating. But when we follow Jesus, we get the privilege to, to think about what if, not just what is in this particular moment, but what if I continued to follow Jesus? What could he do in my life? What could he do through my life? And what does he want to do in me? What are his purposes and his plans for me? What does he want me to become? What is he what are the possibilities? And, and that was really the, the questions that drove the beginning of our, of our church was asking those kinds of questions. Because if we thought about what existed in a particular moment on a particular Wednesday or Sunday when we switched to Sundays, you would just be like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, we're done. What are, we, what are we wasting our time here for? And that that what if, not what is in this particular moment, but what if, that's the question I think that continues to drive our, our church community, our church family, and, and asking what is God going to do? And, and I, love, I love that phrase. You know, I, I didn't know that Acts 29 was rolling this thing out, and, uh, and I just thought, boy, for the, the week that we get to celebrate what God has done, what a great phrase, what if becoming what is, and how we could, we could think about that for us together. So I want to, 
to look back a little bit and the what if questions we were asking at the beginning. And I looked at my notes from the first Wednesday gathering and the first thing I told people was that we didn't really know what we were doing. Always a confidence builder for people to hear that. We don't really know what we're doing, but I wanted to be honest, uh, so I told them that. And I, in the first paragraph of my notes, I'm basically saying, we would like to invite you to join us on this crazy adventure for Jesus. That's what I said. Uh, and I, you know, I couldn't find the actual sermon audio, so I don't know how enthusiastic I was when I said it, but just saying, join us on this crazy adventure for Jesus. And I don't know, that's like not super inviting maybe. Uh, all those people didn't stay. Uh, <laughs> and another picture that I used was, hey, you need to think about our church like a baby. You know, a lot of us have had kids and... Just like think about our church community as a baby. That's what we are. We are a baby and we bring all of the problems that a baby has, right? Like it's not self-sufficient. It can't take care of itself. It just barfs and poops all over itself and you have to clean it all the time and it cries and it's just like it needs constant attention and love and care and then even when it starts to grow, you're like, I finally kind of figured out what's going on with it. And then it starts getting teeth and it starts crying again all the time again. Uh, sorry, Joanna and Mike, I'm not trying to scare you guys. It's a wonderful experience. You're going to love having a baby. Um, <laughs> but, but like when a baby is born, something new like, like our church, it, it might be cute, you're like, oh, this is really cute. It's just so precious. You get to hold it and it smells nice. You know, it's hard to imagine what is it going to be like when its head, like the shape returns, like what shape is it actually going to take? Uh, you know, and what is this kid going to grow up into? And it's, you're excited, but you don't really know. <laughs> you have a lot of hopes. You have a lot of ambitions. You have a lot of prayers. And, and that's, that's what I told our church. This is what we're, we're just like a baby now. We don't exactly know what it's going to turn into, but we're hoping it's something, um, something awesome, something great for, for Jesus. And, and so I said, but, but like a baby doesn't just grow up really fast. It takes a long time. And so I tried to communicate, we're here. It's going to be a long process you know, and you want to go straight from baby to like mature adult that, that takes care of itself, but that's not how things grow. That's not how people grow. And so, you know, it's going to take time and, and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be messy because uh, people are messy and immature people are messy and, and even mature people are messy. And, and it's just going to be, being on Jesus' mission is just a messy thing. But it's going to be beautiful because following Jesus is always good. No matter the sacrifices, the suffering, the, the, the stuff that just we wish would just go faster, it's going to be beautiful because following Jesus and being transformed by Jesus and being part of a community that follows Jesus together, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so on our first Wednesday, I said that, I also said... Our focus is going to be on Jesus, his gospel, 
his community and his mission. Gospel, community, and mission. That's still these words that we use all the time. And, and they really were our big what-ifs. Uh, and and they, they still are. So we were asking questions like, what if the gospel of Jesus was at the center of everything we did? That, that the gospel wasn't just the ABC, the beginning, like the entry point into following Jesus, but the gospel was the A to Z. Everything, every decision, every ministry, every ambition, every dollar spent, what if it was all about the gospel of Jesus? What if we did that? What if we, we just committed ourselves to doing that? And that that when we prayed and when we processed and when we decided things that always, we could always trace it back to the gospel of Jesus. We started something called Gospel Communities really early on in our church life, which was a big what if. Like what if we didn't just have a Bible study? What if we didn't just have um, groups of people that were the same age or already liked each other getting together and, and talking about Jesus, but not really maybe implementing what they were learning. <laughs> uh, we just said, what if we, we started these gospel communities and we tried to, to bring the gospel like, into real practical stuff? Like, we'll meet in each other's houses, we'll eat together, and, and we'll really just dig in and kind of be nosy, but in a gospel sort of way <laughs> in, in each other's lives. And and, and what if we made, like, eating together a really central thing for our church community? What would, what would happen if we, if we did that? And then, and then what if we started spending time, as much time as possible, with people who didn't know Jesus and, and trying to make our church a place where people who don't know Jesus could come learn about what Jesus is like and what he's done for them? What if we could... Be a church that doesn't just talk about Jesus, but we display Jesus through our lives in really evident ways. And I, I just was thinking about different people along the way um, that, that, that came into contact with our church community, that came into contact with Jesus because of us asking those kind of questions. So like there was this guy, Dan, who was a painter. Uh, he was all tatted up. He rode a skateboard everywhere, and he just hung around our church community for like two years, and he never said he wanted to follow Jesus. He never was like, um, he didn't have like a moment that you could point to and be like, that's when Dan changed, and he moved away. Um, he, he lost his job, and he was having a really hard time, and we were trying to help him and his daughter as best we could as a community, and he lived with different people in our church for, for periods of time, and, and we got to show him the love of Jesus just over and over and over again, and he, he heard the good news of Jesus many, many times. And then there were people like Chris, uh, who is a friend of mine, and I've known Chris for years, and, and he only came to our church for like I don't know, two months maybe, but I've had a relationship with him before that, and I've had a relationship with him after that, and I saw our church, different people in our church come around him and share God's love with him and, and invite him into their homes and going over to his house, uh, and, and those were the kinds of things we were trying to do. There was, uh, we had this 
couple named Brita and Eric, they, were, um, they came to our church and Matt lived with them for a while. He rented a room at their house. And they were always like letting people come live at their house who didn't have a place to live. Uh, I would always like, you guys need to be careful. You have kids and stuff. And they would just welcome people into their homes uh, and it wasn't always like clean and easy. Uh, it never really was, but they were, they were going, well, this is what we do, right? Like, this is how we follow Jesus. We, we welcome people into our lives. And I mean, that's just a few names, a few different stories, but that was the result of asking those what-if questions. We, we looked for ways, we were seeking out ways. How can we live on Jesus' mission in our community, around town, uh, praying about the needs that we saw and asking, how do we jump in and actually do something here? How do we serve and bless the place that we live? And that, that was a big what if and continues to be. Um, I know one of the ways we would do it was I, we did a couple of different work days where we would just join in uh, when there were existing work days, cleaning up trash, uh, painting things, just however we could do that. Um, we've done stuff with Betty Chin, who who does work here in Eureka, and we continue to have dinners here uh, several times a year. Uh, we tried to do a homeless day center here, um, and the community as a whole did not want us to do that. Uh, but we we tried. We we took a shot. What if we did this? What would it look like? It would be hard. It would require. Uh, sacrifice, it would be messy, it was just going to be super inconvenient, but we said, what if we did this? Uh, Some of our church community has um, been involved in foster care. Uh, Our family is doing that directly, but other people are helping support us in that or interested in doing it, and that's a big what if. Like, what if we met this particular need in our town, in our community, because it's a big need that we have here. And just asking all these questions. What if we saw churches planted in Crescent City and Reading and who knows? Who knows what God would want to do? What if he would do that? What if he would raise up leaders uh, that we could send out to different places? What if we could see our town reached with the love of Jesus? And those are all exciting things and um, they're fun things to talk about and to pray about and it's vision and stuff you write down on a whiteboard and you're talking about and how do we how do we do this? And all of this was just taking ideas, taking vision that God had given to us. We're, we're seeing this. This is what Jesus is calling us to. We want to live this out. Um, but it was really hard. <laughs> very, very difficult. Limited resources. We didn't have a bank account until about a year and a half in uh, when we started. Um, we, we didn't have a lot of time. You know, everybody was working a full-time job at that point. Uh, it was just just limited time, limited resources. Uh, the two families that started the church, we all we had a bunch of little kids. Uh, that was, you know, if you have little kids, it, it limits the amount of energy and time you can give to something. And and after like two and a half years, it felt like we were playing church a little bit. Like we're just doing this, we're getting together, but it doesn't feel like anything's happening. It doesn't feel like anything is moving. And we moved from our location at Centerpoint to our living room. Well, I guess it was our dining room, technically, uh, in our house. We had this big house that had a giant dining room, and 
And we said, well, we want to meet on Sunday morning, so we're going to move into our house. So, so if it was hard to invite people to come to another church building on Sunday nights, imagine just saying, come to our house on Sunday morning. It's a long driveway, super creepy, uh, not at all. <laughs> uh, that, is, uh, that was where we were at, but just we were like, let's try this. What if we do this? Let's see what happens. And we started to ask those questions again, like, okay, let's, let's dig into those same questions. What's the original vision that God has given to us? Let's, let's not drift away from what he's called us to doing in order to just get more people to come or something. Like, we don't want to force this, but we kind of did want to force it uh, so that just we wouldn't feel like we were spinning our wheels. The thing is funny, though, is that while we were doing this, while we were feeling like this, things were actually happening. And, and one story that I love to tell is about our friend Elise, and she was a student at HSU. Um, she knew this guy who was coming to our church at the time, and she came to one night with our gospel community, hadn't even been on a Sunday yet, and by Friday, she's like, I want to follow Jesus. You know, before she's even come on a Sunday. And it's like a radical shift for her life. And so she began to be discipled. Uh, her life completely transformed. We, she, we got to baptize her together. And this is before we even moved uh, from, from Centerpoint. So uh, this was happening. And, and Elisa is still following Jesus. We're still friends with her. She lives in Sacramento. She's married. She has a wonderful daughter. Uh, and and we, we've hung out with them like three times this year. Um, and, and so it's something that happened. Uh, even in the midst of us going like, nothing is happening. Like, that, that happened. Uh, Elise is a real person. She's not a theoretical. And, and so even, even when that's going on, we still kept going like, how do we like, jumpstart this? What do we do? There's probably something we're doing that's wrong and we need to fix it. And we just need to like, do something. <laughs> that was kind of the, the general idea. We want this, seed, this little seed. It's just not growing fast enough. Where are those big branches? And, and so one of the things we identified was we probably need to get out of the house because people think we're a cult and it's a little scary. Uh, you know, I have nothing wrong. There's nothing against home churches. I think our particular home was a little bit intimidating. Uh, and so um, we moved into this building a little over five years ago, and then uh, a lot of you started coming after that because you're like, they're not a cult. Okay, uh, <laughs> we're not as afraid anymore. Um, but even, even doing that, we're renting this building. Things still felt really small and unremarkable and not ex not glamorous and, and things, you know, people were like, I didn't even know that there was a church in that building. People still say that today. Um, but, but five years have passed since we've been in this building and, and all the while God has been moving, God has been working, God has been teaching us, he's been inviting us to continue following Jesus and to continue praying and asking those what if questions. And one of the funny things about planting a church is wondering, when do we stop being a church plant and become like a real church? <laughs> when do we get to wear our big boy pants? Um, 
And I'm still not really sure when that happens. You know, we were a, a baby with no neck muscles when we first started, and we were just kind of flailing around. And I don't really know where we're at in the life stage. Like, I can't, sometimes I feel like we're older, and then I'm like, nope, the, we just peed our pants again. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we're not as old as I thought we were. Um, but here's, here's what I do know, and here's what I've been reflecting on a lot, is that there is a lot of what is. In, in our church family now. There's a lot of um, not what ifs, but what is. What has God done? These evidences of his, his grace. Because I do think that the gospel of Jesus has, it is the what is um, in our church and, and has been. And of course, we can grow in our faithfulness and our understanding of what that means, but it is something that we have continued to hold fast to the, the gospel of Jesus, the simple good news of who Jesus is, what he's done through his life, death, and resurrection that continues to be the center of who we are as a church. Um, I think our gospel communities, they have become more than an idea. They've become more than, than a theoretical. And there's been a lot of ebb and flow in our gospel communities. Sometimes we've had more than one now, right now, we have one gospel community that meets uh, regularly, and, and and even that has ebbed and flowed in the amount of people that are involved and what that looks like and sort of the, the health and the life of that. But I, I still think that it's accurate to say that gospel communities have really formed the backbone of who we are as a church community. Uh, and so if you don't know what a gospel community is, it's, it's essentially... <laughs> It's hard to explain. Uh, we just spend a lot of time together. It's, it's not meant to be an event. It's not meant to be this one night a week when we hang out. It's not really a small group. It's, it's, a, it's like the church within the church where we spend as much time together. We eat together. We pray together. We learn together. We grow together. We suffer and mourn together. Um, and... Uh, and I think that is, that is something that exists. It's not just a theoretical thing. It's not just a good idea. Um, what is true is that we have actually have planted a church. Lane and Michelle, Lane was a pastor here with me for several years, but him and Michelle have planted a house church in Fortuna, and they're doing that. And it kind of happened without us even really like, oh yeah, this is what we wanted to do. It's, it happened. And and it's not exactly, I think, what we all pictured, but it is. It exists. And that's something that we can celebrate. I think that we are serving uh, or we're sharing our leadership and our responsibilities. Uh, and people are stepping up and serving in ways that our church has never seen before. And that's really evident if you were at our family meeting in, at the end of June and just the follow-up meetings I've had with people. That's like, it's so exciting to me, and I think we're going we're gonna to be highlighting more and more of what that, what that is and what it looks like for us in the future, so we'll be doing more of that on Sundays. Um, people have met Jesus. Uh, Amanda is not here today, but Amanda's story is like what, what we always wanted to have happen. She didn't follow Jesus she started hanging out because she, uh, her coworker, she worked with James, who's also not here today. Um, 
they, they just worked in the same office together and James kept inviting her to participate. Come over and hang out with these people that I hang out with. They're not weird, promise. Uh, and, and she just started having dinner uh, in our homes with our gospel community. Uh, she started coming on Sunday morning sometimes. And she was just always really interested. She started doing a Bible study. I know um, she talked to Dallas at one point just here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Dallas is talking to her about it, and she's like, oh, I would never do, I, like, I wouldn't give up this part of my life just to follow Jesus. I wouldn't do that. Uh, and it was like, she was very clear on her stance and where she was at, and she's following Jesus now. She's, uh, we, we talked last August, I remember, because it was, it was such a beautiful conversation. It was like, this is exactly what we hoped for. This is exactly what we prayed for. And it took a long time. Um, but it, it's exactly what we have always hoped and prayed for. And so um, we're going to baptize Amanda on September 8th, uh, so the weekend after Labor Day. Uh, and actually, two of my kids, Adelaide and Hugh, are going to get baptized as well. So we don't have the location, but it's going to be after church on a Sunday. We will go to a place and we will baptize them. And so please make it a priority to come uh, and celebrate their baptisms on September 8th. And that's something that is, right? That's not a theoretical. It, that's because Jesus has done that. Uh, we, have, we have served our town on mission. If you've ever been here during one of Betty's dinners, it's like, it's amazing. All these people serving, all these people eating. Uh, at Christmas time, kids are getting presents. Um, it's just a beautiful display of the gospel. Um, and so that's something that exists. And, and we don't even really have to do anything. Like, we just have to open up the building and set up, set up for it. And other people cook the food, other people even serve and, and clean up and everything, but we've all got to participate in different ways, and it's been something beautiful. Um, you know, foster care, it was a what if for our family for a long time, and uh, we've, been, we've been actually fostering kids for the last year and a half, uh, and that's kind of like, it's really hard, <laughs> um, but it's to think, you know, two years ago we had um, this guy Dale from who lives here in Eureka. He's our neighbor. Uh, he spoke about fostering, and we went to this thing called the Day of Hope. And it's like that was a what if then, and less than two years later, it's it's like a reality. And and even though not everyone is is fostering kids, um, you've all participated in uh, in us doing that and like been part of that with us. Uh, Thursday night, our gospel community, we had a, a going home party for one of our foster kids. <laughs> I told you I was going to cry. <laughs> we, just to see the different layers um, of church, family, and our family, and the kids um, that have come in and out of our house. Uh, it was just a, such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And 
it's like a living embodiment of those what ifs to see it and you can look back and go it does it does happen sometimes when you're when you're tired and you're discouraged you can go it's not always just a theoretical that there there are moments where you get to see it come to life and all of that is from a mustard seed that Jesus planted and the the what if questions they haven't stopped now because we you know we're not at this point where we can just stop and say okay like it's all good let's just coast from here uh, and everything will be will be good the the what if questions continue and and how many could we ask what if there were more gospel communities what if there were more disciples and more people being baptized what if the families in our community, marriages and families were being strengthened and helped uh, because it's really hard, right? And we need Jesus. Um, what if more homes were open to our neighbors, to foster kids? What if more tables were set and people were invited to come sit around those tables? What if we were praying more fervently, often, together, individually, what if we could actually meet some of the tremendous needs that are around our community? If we were joining up with other people who are already meeting those needs or coming up with creative ways to, to meet the ones that are just not being met? What if we were training more leaders and more people were being equipped so that they could serve here or they could be sent out to plant more churches, to serve other churches, other communities in different ways? I mean, how many of those questions could we ask? And they're really the same ones that we asked at the beginning of our church. And, and I think that's good because it shows that we were asking the right questions, I think. And if we're still asking those questions, it means we haven't strayed away from, from the, the thing that God has called us to do, the mission that he's given us. And yeah, we're going to ask, well, what if we try to make our building a little bit nicer? What if we tried to do this or that? We can ask those questions too. Nothing wrong with that. But, but these will always be the questions that, that should drive us, that should uh, be what we give ourselves to. And just to think, well, what if we delighted in Jesus more? What if we just enjoyed him more and see how beautiful and how good he is? What if, we, what if we trusted him more? What if we took more risks? What if we gave more of ourselves to him? What if we really, truly found our identity in him rather than in, in what we've done and what we've accomplished or what other people think about us or say about us? What if is becoming what is? And I'm so glad to, to be part of that with you. This is our story. It's not my story. It's not my family's story. It's not the people who started the church's story. It's, it's our story together, and it's Jesus' story ultimately, that he is 
uh, he's invited us into, and it is worth everything. It is worth everything. And I know there are so many moments where we think, I want to see more things happening. And I probably do this more than you guys do, but God is, he has done things and he will continue to do things. And I want to finish with just a passage from 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Paul is talking, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church there and they're talking about, they've been asking questions about, you know, the things they've learned and who they've learned it from. And, and he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Just to, to remind us that only God can do He's the only one that can fulfill these what-if questions. So we have to ask him, and we have to trust him, and we have to rely on him. And I'm really, really excited to, to think next year we'll get to do this again. And what are the, the what-ifs that we're asking now that will be the what-is things that we can, we can talk about and share together? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, we are thankful. Everything that we see and are experiencing and are remembering, every emotion, uh, every enjoyment, uh, every tear, it's all because of you. It's all because of you. And we pray that it would be all for you. That, that all the way down to our very core, we would really believe that, that it doesn't matter if we're the ones who are planting, if we're the ones who are watering, if we get to see the growth or not, that it's really all about you. You're the one who gives the growth. Would you show us all, compel us all to keep planting seeds, to keep casting out the good news of Jesus and through the words that we speak and the lives that we live and the community that you've brought together here. But would we just beg you and ask you to give growth? And would, would we rest in asking you, not in trying to force something, trying to make things grow faster, trying to make things get to the size or the dynamic or whatever it might be, would you just help us to be faithful? Help us to be faithful, and, and we trust you that you will grow the fruit. Thank you for all the what-ifs that have become a what-is, and we look forward to what you will do in us and through us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.